0: in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. And
1: hey, you know, the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God. And he is the only one that can really look on the glory of the Father. Interesting. Now, these four living creatures, who are they and what they represent? A question that, still yet, after thousands of of years, remains unanswered. Who are these four living creatures? And what do they represent? There are many, 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 many interpretations of who these living creatures are and what they represent. Some say they represent the church, some say that they represent the attributes of God in power and intelligence and in energy. The fact is, we do not know who they are really, who they are, and what they represent. But let me just give you what I believe to be an interesting biblical observation. Pretty amazing, if you will. If you're taking notes, Numbers chapter 1 and 2. I want you to go look this up in your own time. God told the people that as they moved throughout the wilderness and in various locations, that as they moved from place to place, they were to camp out. And they were to camp out in a specific order. You know, the tabernacle was collapsible. The first tabernacle, you could take it down and set it up. And that's exactly what they did. They had this portable tabernacle that they moved. They tear it down, set it up. And, but God told them that they were to set it up the same way every time. God said, first of all, I want the Levites to surround the tabernacle on the north, the south, the east, and the west side. The Levites were to surround all four sides of the tabernacle. Now, you know that the Levites was the priestly tribe. This was the the priestly tribe. These were the servants of God. And these servants of God needed to be closest to the camp. In order to experience the kabod, K-A-B-O-D, the glory of God. You might have heard the word Ichabod, meaning the glory of the Lord has departed. Kabod speaks of the glory of God. And so these servants or, or these priests, they needed to camp on all four sides in order to be closest to the glory of God. Now, it is interesting The Bible says what? That we Christians are priests of God. We are priests of God. And if we as priests of God, Christians, are going to experience the glory of God, listen, you are going to have to encamp closest to the tabernacle. You need to. I want to experience the glory of God. Therefore, I need to stay close to God. Now, how many people have said to me, you know, I don't know anybody in this church, or they say, you know, this church is too big. Church is getting too big. I call, and make an appointment with Pastor Rodney, and all I get is Rob. You know, so <laughs> tell him this. Ah, poor Rob, or I get Steve, or I get Charles, or I get somebody else. This church is getting too big. Many people say. And I've heard that often. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This church is actually not as big as you think. As a matter of fact, this church is very small. You see, if you take the time to camp closest around the tent, if you will, you'll see the church is very small. How so, Rodney? Well, listen, this is how it works. If you want to experience the glory of God in your life personally, this is how it works. You need to begin to serve God. You need to begin to serve the Lord. It's amazing how small the church gets when you engage in service. It's amazing. You know, someone once said that 10% of the people do 90% of the work. You see, it's the minority that are camped closest around the tent, not the majority. So if you were to get close around the tent, you would see that it really is, the church really is a really small group of people. It really isn't that large. And if you want to experience the glory of God, it's so important for you to begin to serve the Lord wherever you are, in your neighborhood, on your campus, in the church. Ushering, greeting, changing poopy diapers in the nursery. I know we just had that announcement, but still changing poopy diapers in the nursery. Anywhere where you begin to serve God, you will find that in serving and hanging out closest to the tent, like the Levites, you will experience the kabod or the glory of God. And this is why God wants wants you to serve him, by the way. God does not want you nor need you to serve him. Because if you don't serve him, then the kingdom of God is going to collapse. Man, if you don't serve a Lord, then... What's going to happen to the kingdom? God doesn't need you to serve him for that reason. Remember, the Bible says that if, if we don't praise him, then the rocks will cry out. Now, if the rocks can cry out, then I'm pretty confident that if God wanted to, he could most certainly have the rocks to serve him. If he wanted to. God doesn't want us to serve him because he needs you to serve him. God does not need us Say amen. amen. He really does I mean, he's, he's kind of God. <laughs> you know, I mean, when you're like God, when you're God, when you're God, what do you need? Nothing. You can create anything you need out of nothing. So he's God. God wants us to serve him because he knows that it's in serving him around the tabernacle, around the tent, is where we will experience the glory of God. That's why he wants you to serve him. And then he knows that when you start serving him, you'll find fulfillment in your life. Just like the Levites. Now, Numbers 2 goes on to say, on each of the four sides the north, the south, the east, and the west, there were to be three tribes. On the east side is the camp of Judah. Write that down. On the east side is the camp of Judah. And along with Judah, there were two other tribes, Issachar and Zebulun, and they numbered 186,400. Write that down. The camp of Judah, along with Judah, were two other tribes, Issachar and Zebulun, and they numbered 186,400. These numbers will make sense in just a minute. And they were camped, they were to be camped under the ensign or the flag or the symbol of, guess what? The lion. Revelation chapter five, verse five tells us Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. And the Bible says when Jesus comes back, he won't come back as a suffering servant, but as a conquering lion king to rule and to reign in power and in glory. And get this, when he comes back, when Jesus comes back, guess what? He is coming from the east and he is going to enter into the east gate. He's going to come back and he's going to go through the east gate. So the camp of Judah on the east side. Then on the west side is the camp of Ephraim. And along with Ephraim are Manasseh and Benjamin. And they numbered 108,100. 108,100, the camp of Ephraim on the west side. Then on the south side is the camp of Reuben. And along with Reuben are Simeon and Gad, and they number 151,400. And the symbol for the camp of Reuben was the face of a man. The symbol of Ephraim was the ox. Reuben, the man. And then on the north side is the camp of Dan, and along with Dan were Naphtali and Asher, And they numbered 157,600. And the symbol of Dan, you guessed it, is the eagle. So we have the west side, or the east side, pardon me, is the camp of Judah. And the symbol is a lion. The west side, the camp of Ephraim. The symbol is the ox. The south side, the camp of Reuben. The symbol is the face of a man. And then on the north side is the camp of Dan. And the symbol would be the eagle. Now get this, get this. The largest number of the people camped on the east side, and the smallest number of people camped on the west side, and there was almost an equal number of people on the north and the south side. Now, if you were to take a plane and get an aerial view of the camp of the children of Israel, guess what you would see? A cross. Isn't that interesting? Everywhere they went, God wanted to be able to look down on his people and see the cross. Do your homework, Numbers 1 and 2. Very interesting. So you say to me, okay, Rodney, so what? What does that mean? Well, here's so what Numbers chapter 23 and 24. Write that down. You know the story. The prophet of Balaam, or the prophet Balaam, was hired by Balak. To curse Israel. And so you know the story. He goes up on this high mountain. And he kind of overlooks and he sees the children of Israel down there encamped. And Balaam tries to bless them or tries to curse them. And and he gets up in the high mountain. He says you. He tries to curse them. But instead blessings pop out. And Balak said wait a minute man. I didn't pay you to bless them. I paid you to curse them. So curse them. And so he's I I, I I don't know, man. So he goes to another mountain and he looks out over the people and he sees the people gathered together in camp and he tries to blast them. But instead, he winds up blessing them. And Balak said, man, steal my money. So he goes to another mountain and he looks out over the people. He sees them encamped, and he tries to curse somebody, can't curse them. Instead, he blesses them. Now, as Balaam would overlook the people encamped about in, just as God had designed in Numbers chapter one and and two, guess what he saw? He saw what God saw. He saw a cross. Well, now what does that tell us? That tells us, and I think it works out practically and spiritually for us believers, that the cross cancels the curse. Amen. Well, you mean I can't be cursed if I'm a Christian? Nope. And praise the Lord for that. The cross cancels the curse. Now, I don't necessarily believe that Balaam understood these principles and the significance, but I do believe that it is true practically and spiritually in our lives. The cross of Jesus Christ does cancel the curse. Well, as I said, there are many perspectives on what these four creatures, who they are and what they represent. That is just one of them. When we get to heaven, that'll be another fun thing because you'll get to walk up to them and ask them, what did you guys really represent? Nobody really knew. We don't know what they represent, but we know for sure what they were doing. Did you notice they don't rest day or night saying, holy, holy, holy. Now, if you're taking notes, the word holy means separate. It means set apart. It means different. It means unique. The four living creatures, as they behold God, all they can do to describe him is to say separate, 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 different, 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 unique, unique, unique are you, Lord. In other words, there is none like you, Lord. Exodus chapter 15, verse 11. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, Fearful in praises and doing wonders. God is holy. He is separate. He is unique. He is unlike anything else. Billy Sunday said, there are 256 names given in the Bible for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I suppose this was because he was infinitely beyond all that any one name could express. I love that. And these guys, they are so taken back. That all they can say is unique, 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 Lord God Almighty. God is unique. God is holy. God is separate. And they say, Lord God Almighty. And this was the name, as you know, that God revealed himself to Abraham. He said that he was El Shaddai, the Almighty. God is the strongest, most powerful being in the universe, and nothing can oppose him. Nothing. Psalm 115.3, one of my favorite verses. But our God is in heaven, and he does whatever he pleases. Don't you love that? Why does God do this? And why does God do that? I'm not so sure I like it. So, God is in heaven... And he does whatever he pleases. Sergei Nikolov, an energetic Christian leader in the Soviet Union. He said, don't look at this. Don't look at the circumstances and don't look at what you can't do. Look at your Lord. Call on his power. Trust his timing. And don't put a period where God puts a comma. Don't you love that? I do. They say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In other words, he is the eternal one. God transcends time and space. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. A.W. Tozer said, God dwells in eternity, but time dwells in God. He has already lived all our tomorrows as he has lived all our yesterdays. The story is told of a man who asked God how long a million years was to him. And God replied, it's just like a single second of your time, my child. So the man asked, and what about a million dollars? The Lord replied to me, it's just like a single penny. So the man gathered himself up and he said, Lord, could I have one of your pennies? And God said, certainly, my child, just a second. God is outside of eternity, and he transcends time. Now, the interesting thing, I don't know if you caught this or not, but the interesting thing about these four living creatures is they are not mechanical. These guys don't have a big key in their back, and you, you wind it up and wind it up and wind it up until it gets nice and tight, and then you let it go, and they say, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. No, these guys aren't mechanical at all. No, it's almost as you read it, you feel like they can't help themselves. They are so captivated by God. It's all they can say is, holy, 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 Lord God almighty, who was and is and is to come. And then the elders, you read the text, you see the elders, they get up and they try to leave. And all of a sudden, the living creatures, they just go, holy, 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 elders just go back down. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty, who was and is, and just over and over and over again. And get this. Isaiah heard the same thing hundreds of years before the book of Revelation. And guess what? He, we, right today, those angels and living creatures are in heaven even as we are gathered here in Calvary Chapel in Apex. And those angels and those living creatures are saying, guess what? You guessed it. Holy, holy, holy. Even today, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Even now. Even now. I would encourage you, get familiar, memorize these words. Amen. Because when you get to heaven, you don't want to be ignorant. <laughs> Do you? No. You don't want to go to heaven and go, what? What are they saying? <laughs> holy is holy. What was those words again? Ho- oh, oh, yeah, holy, 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 Yeah, yeah, I remember Ronnie talking about something like that. I was asleep. Uh, da. da, 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 da. No, when you get to heaven, you know what? You know what? Now notice, you want to notice that in your Bibles, it says they were saying, they were saying, they were saying. Now that kind of messes things up for me, quite honestly, because I, I like it to feel like they were singing. I mean, like the Christmas songs and stuff and all the angels, they come and praise God and they are saying. And it's true. I know they're saying, but it really messes things up for me. If I can't really just keep a hold of this piece, it feels like they're singing. It just feels like they're singing. And wouldn't it be interesting to find out what the heavenly melody is to these words that they are saying? On a little planet, which is a small part of the solar system, which is a small part of our galaxy, which is one of billions of galaxies, and you have this puny little man demanding of God and trying to steal God's glory. That's the most fascinating thing of all. We're a speck of nothing. It'd be like an ant trying to argue with me. What? I, I can't hear you. What? Excuse me. I can just take my little finger and just squish you. It's ridiculous. And man seeks to argue with God. God. When man should worship God because the program of heaven is worship and the purpose of creation is to worship him who sits on the throne. The word worship means to turn and kiss. It means to turn and kiss. The only reason, the only reason that we exist is to turn and kiss the hand of Jesus. That's the only reason you exist. What's your purpose in life? Have you found it? Well, if you're not worshiping Jesus and giving glory and honor and exalting him, you're not getting there. You're not getting there. We exist to worship Jesus. And when you worship Jesus, that's when you'll find that you are most fulfilled. I want to read you. In closing, a paragraph from an author named Eugene Peterson, which beautifully gathers up the power of worship. He said, failure to worship consigns us to a life of spasms and jerks at the mercy of every advertisement, every seduction and every siren. Without worship, we live manipulated and manipulating lives. We move in either frightened panic or deluded lethargy as we are in turn alarmed by scepters and soothed by placebos. If there is no center, there is no circumference. People who do not worship are swept into a vast relentlessness epidemic in the world with no steady direction and no sustaining purpose. We are created to worship God. And if you're not worshiping God, you really have no sustaining purpose. You know, we have our worship time here at Calvary Chapel, not because we're trying to fill time before, you know, I get up and preach. We worship here and we spend the time to worship the Lord because worship is the program of heaven. What we will be doing for eternity is worshiping the Lord. Not floating around on a cloud. Strumming a harp. That's boring. That is boring. But you will never, never, never tire. Worship team, come on up. You will never tire, listen. You will never tire of saying, holy, 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 Lord God almighty. You know, you read chapters four and and you think, man, that looks weird. Four living creatures and eyes in the front and in the back. And and they're saying holy and giving glory to God. Man, that seems weird. You know what? You know what? Ask me what? Thanks for asking. What you're doing seems weird to them. What do you mean, Rodney? If you're not giving glory to God, If you're not honoring God, you're not saying in your time of worship, in your time of prayer, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, what you're doing is weird to them. You see, that's real. Heaven is real. Worship in Jesus, that's real.
0: You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time.